The Family Problem by On My Literature Bullshit Again Chapters 1-2 to two. Part 8 of the Midwest by Disaster Zuka series Read by Mellow Zuko Dear From AO3 Rating Mature Archive warning, no archive warnings apply Category M slash M Fandom, Avatar The Last Airbender Relationship, Sokka slash Zuko Characters Sokka, Zuko, Azula, Iroh Brief reference to other characters Additional tags Midwest by Disaster Zuka Zuka, Freeform Bisexual Sokka, Bisexual Zuko Aged up characters Zuka in their mid-twenties Angst, Angst with a happy ending Emotional hurt comfort Established relationship Implied reference child abuse Past child abuse, childhood trauma Family Dynamics M Rating for Trauma and Mild Sexual Content Implied Sexual Content Mild Sexual Content Implied Reference Homophobia Developing Relationship Lack of Communication Learning to Communicate Eventual Fluff Eventual Happy Ending Alternate Universe Modern Setting Love Confessions Romantic Gestures Healthy Communication Healthy Relationships Lots of love and support by the end. Summary Sokka knew that Zuko's family was a whole mess in and of itself. He'd known that since the night in the accidental lone bed before Katara's wedding, and part of him had accepted that Zuko's family was going to remain some odd, shadowy component of their relationship, that Sokka would always have to manoeuvre around without touching it. But it couldn't remain that way forever, and dealing with family and past trauma is what will finally force them to decide how they actually feel about each other, and if this relationship is worth fighting for. Chapter 1 Sokka knew that Zuko's family was a whole mess in and of itself. He'd known that since the night in their accidental lone bed before Katara's wedding, and part of him had accepted that Zuko's family was going to remain some odd, shadowy component of their relationship that Sokka would always have to manoeuvre around without touching it, without tripping the unknown Zuko tripwires and making everything tense and bad. And Sokka could accept that, especially at the beginning, because he really liked Zuko as his own complete entity. Admittedly, he did put up with Zuko's ridiculous opinions and general moodiness and his insane sleep and work schedule, and occasionally listen to stories about his job that made Sokka a little light-headed. He dealt with his occasional snaps of anger, and the time Zuko shut down or tried to pick fights about stupid things, so he didn't have to talk about the things that actually mattered. So, some of that was difficult, made Sokka edgy and insecure and frustrated, but he also knew Zuko put up with his constantly talking and were plashing between confidence and insecurity, and the days when his brain got too loud and he forgot to take his newly prescribed Adderall, or he remembered and it made him slow and foggy. He put up with the missed dates and the missed signals and the missed texts, just like Sokka put up with the dodged questions and dodged emotions and dodged confrontations. So, he figured it balanced out in the end, and Zuko always ended up in the yes, please stay around portion of his life because Zuko was also the kind of person to 
always kissed Sokka goodbye before he left and saved him the last bites of meals and desserts. He was the kind of person to just prop his cheek on his hand and listen indulgently while Sokka went off about something arguably nonsensical and rambling, who didn't seem to care much what they were doing as long as some part of them was touching, even if it was just a brush of shoulders or Sokka sticking his cold feet under Zuko's legs. He was the one who'd just taken in the stray cat Sokka had accidentally rescued from outside, and made room in his apartment for another loud ginger cat just because he was nice that way. He was the one who'd bought them tickets to a museum exhibit just because it was about graphic design, and he thought Sokka would like, which he did, and he'd let himself be dragged around by the Sokka equivalent of an overly caffeinated toddler through the entire museum. So, yeah, he was moody and difficult and prickly at times, but he also laughed begrudgingly at Sokka's jokes and held his hand in public, and understood and accepted him for some insane reason. So, not knowing about his family? Knowing that there was weird dark stuff in his past that made him shut down and pull away, things he didn't look at and wouldn't talk about, except under the guise of macabre humour or veiled references? He could put up with that. He really thought he could. It was just... After a while, after more than three months, it started to feel like he'd been compartmentalised, kept in a specific little box away from everything else in Zuko's life. He'd briefly met his co-workers, but he knew next to nothing about any of Zuko's other friends, and even less about his family. It was all veiled and dodgy, like maybe Zuko was embarrassed or scared or ashamed. But for soccer or about soccer was what stayed unclear. For his part, Sokka had let Zuko into anything he wanted to be a part of because that was what you did when it was actually a relationship, at least in Sokka's mind. But Zuko was keeping him in one specific version of his life, and specifically keeping him out of others, which felt, well, kinda shitty after a while. If it was something vague and casual, just a no-strings dating thing, then sure, not an issue at all. If they were friends with benefits who hung out and occasionally banged on the side, then whatever. But the word boyfriend had been said frequently, and they definitely weren't seeing anyone other than each other, and it had been more than three months of being well and truly in the kind of relationship that had Sokka beginning to consider some very confusing emotions. Of course, he didn't say any of this to Zuko, but still. So, when Zuko had mentioned that he was meeting with his family the next weekend and said offhandedly that maybe Sokka should meet them sometime too, Sokka had jumped on it. He probably, like always, should have thought it through a little more, but instead, without thinking, he'd asked if he could come along this time and meet them now. Zuko looked immediately flawed, like he'd never even considered the possibility, and that seemed... bad. It was morning, a morning in late November they actually had off together, and things had been relaxed and slow and easy. Just coffee and hanging out and chatting about time off from work for a holiday neither of them celebrated, and about how the two cats were getting along. But at Zuko's comment and Sokka's suggestion, something had changed implicitly far too quickly. It was like he could physically see Zuko putting walls up, shutting doors again. So, 
soccer rather than fighting it, backpedaled. No, 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 it's just that, he explained, I subjected you to my whole family before we were even actually dating, so it seems fair to return the favour, but we don't have to. No, that, Zuko said, still looking a little panicked and closed off, like he was feeling the words in his mouth before he said them. That would be... good? For you to meet them? Sokka didn't know how to interpret the upticked ends of each of those supposed statements, but he let that pass and smiled. Okay, he said. Yeah, let's do it. It'll be great. But Sokka's enthusiasm didn't relax Zuko at all. If anything, he seemed more distant, more tense. He set his own coffee mug on the kitchen island and rotated slightly away from Sokka, only the scarred part of his face visible, which so often looked pulled into a grimace, the lines harder, rougher. An unintentional sort of mask. And Sokka didn't know how to interpret his expression, the look on the visible part of his face, the way he flattened his palm down onto the top of the counter and held it there. There's just... There are things I should probably tell you, Zuko said, finally turning his face to look at him fully, and he was still guarded. There's... stuff to unpack there. Sure, Sokka said, treading cautiously forward in this conversation. Family is... complicated. Especially yours, he wanted to say, remembering the bits and pieces he'd been told and his slowly constructed Zuko's history puzzle. But he didn't say that. Zuko nodded, eyes narrowing for a moment and then he picked up his coffee again and actually moved to sit on the couch beside Sokka. Yet he was still giving off that cornered cat energy, and he leaned forward and set his mug down on the coffee table, elbows still pressed into his knees. Sokka set his own cup off to the side and reached forward, laying a hand gently on Zuko's shoulder. Zuko looked aside at it and then at Sokka, who twitched his head just a little an invitation for closeness if Zuko wanted it. Zuko accepted, tucking himself under Sokka's arm, but even there he was still stiff and tense and weird. The seconds ticked past as neither spoke, because as much as Sokka wanted to just start talking to fill the silence, he'd learned that with Zuko and the difficult stuff, he had to be patient and wait until Zuko was ready to unpack whatever it was in his own time. Maybe we shouldn't, not right now, Zuko said, suddenly wishy-washy for someone usually so damn opinionated. I have a time set up at my uncle's tea shop, but it's nothing special, so I mean, you don't have to come, maybe you shouldn't. I just... Hey, it's totally up to you, Sokka said immediately. I can just be your beautiful, elusive lover for as long as you want. He smiled and kissed Zuko's forehead hoping to death that humour and comfort was the right way to go. He hated that he didn't know. At least Zuko actually managed an approximation of a laugh at that before lapsing back into broodiness and silence and scratching at the lower part of his scar. Oh, so this was the serious Zuko shit, Sokka realised, and worried about what he'd unintentionally poked at. It's just... Zuko sighed and rubbed at his left eye. It's just me and my bullshit, and it's... them too, honestly. 
We are just talking about your uncle and your one sister, right? Sokka asked, suddenly wondering if something worse had occurred. Disappeared mum was back, dad was out of prison, weird cousin or grandpa or something had suddenly crawled out of the woodwork just to ruin Zuko's life. Yeah, Zuko replied carefully, just my uncle and my sister. My uncle, with his complicated past, and my still semi-estranged, intermittently unstable sister. Hey, well, I'm intermittently unstable too, Sokka offered, trying for a reassuring smile. How bad can she be? Zuko gave him a measured look. Have you ever tried to use a frayed power cord to electrocute your nurse in the psychiatric ward? He asked flatly. Sokka tried to find something to say to that, because... Wow, that was a turn in the conversation. Yeah, this was the Code Red, serious Zuko shit, and Sokka sort of wished he'd prepared better or knew how to talk about things like this. This was still a Zuko he didn't totally know or understand, a version of the Zuko he liked so much, except all sharp and weird, and likely to bolt or start yelling. Sokka, these thoughts all sort of jumbled up together in his brain, finally settled on just saying, I have not. So that's different? Yeah, that was like four years ago, luckily, so I don't think she'd try something like that now, Zuko said, sounding only marginally convincing. He pulled a little out from under Sokka's arm, shoulders creeping up closer and closer to his jawline. That's good, Sokka said, simply because it seemed like he was supposed to respond have something to say into the tension. It's just a lot with her still, Zuko said in a kind of exhale, frowning. Being around her, dealing with the stuff we've been through, what she put me through, you know? Um, Sokka said slowly, I mean, I don't really, because you haven't really told me anything about her, but I'll take your word for it. I'm sure, he added quickly, as Zuko's eyes jumped to his, it's not so bad. There was a strange, tense moment between them. I'm sorry, Zuko said, starting to pull away. This is too much. Them and me and you, and I can just... Hey, Sokka said, keeping his hands around him. No, just stay here. Zuko impossibly tensed further. Unless you really want me to leave you alone, Sokka added, loosening his grip on Zuko's arms and feeling sick. Which I can do, if that's, if that's what you really want. Zuko gave him a long, strange look, and then pulled away from him so they were no longer touching. Just awkward empty space between them. And Sokka let him, even if he felt a little bit like someone had punched him in the chest. I can't do this, Zuko whispered, eyes darting toward the ceiling. Fuck, I'm sorry, I can't do it, not to you. His hands moved up into his hair, grabbing hard for a moment. It's been good, and if you, if we... He rubbed hard at his face, and Sokka didn't understand what those broken sentences were meant to say, what he was supposed to do in response. It's not about you, or us, it's me, and it's... But I still... I can't do this, Zuko said, suddenly standing and looking down at them again and Sokka felt a weird twinge of terror at that phrasing. You don't have to do anything, Sokka said, trying to keep his voice even. 
Did he stand up too? Did he ask questions? Did he try to calm him down again? Zuko's eyes were a little panicked, oddly bright. I'm sorry, he said. I shouldn't have. It's just too much. Sokka shifted, still watching him. I don't, he tried, feeling a bit like he'd stepped on ice and couldn't get his footing again, the whole world careening out from under him. I don't know what that means. I don't know what's going on. Zuko looked at the door, just his profile visible again, just that more difficult-to-read portion of his face, and just Sokka sitting there feeling lost. Sokka raised his hand, unsure what he was even planning to do with it, but settling for carefully wrapping his fingers around Zuko's wrist. Zuko flinched at the touch, but Sokka held, soft and careful, rubbing a thumb against a bit of Zuko's palm, the skin smooth and warm hoping for reassurance, for connection, for something. What's happening and what can I do? Sokka asked, risking it. How do I help? I just... want to help. Sokka, Zuko said like a pained exhale, eyes squeezing shut for a moment. It's fine, okay? Sokka pressed anyway, oddly frightened by the distance in Zuko's face his angled-away body. That shut door again, telling Sokka to stay in his little compartment. Something in him rebelled against it. Just come back. Just sit down again and you can explain. We can work through it. I can't. Why not? This is... it's too much. Sokka squeezed his wrist a little. Really, it doesn't have to be. You don't have to do anything and we can... It'll be fine. Sokka knew he was babbling, probably a little desperate and maybe a little crazy, but he couldn't shut up. Just come back, stay here for a little while. Just, we can, we can just talk about whatever this is and I can help with whatever's going on with your family that's... Stop. Zuko suddenly barked, and it came out like a slap. Sokka dropped his hand and sat back. There was a strange long moment where nothing happened. No one moved. Nothing made a sound. Zuko dragged his hands over his face. I'm... I'm sorry. His voice was low and flat. We'll talk soon, okay? He said, as he continued not looking at Sokka, and Sokka continued sitting there, shut out. I just need... I'll talk to you later, okay? And then he was walking toward the door, throwing it open and stepping out into the hall. A moment later, the door had clicked shut behind him, and Sokka still hadn't moved from the couch. Boomerang whined once at the door and then lay back down. Sokka looked between the dog and the door. What? What had just happened? And worse, he realised like a pit in his stomach, what the hell was he supposed to do now? He waited around his apartment the rest of the day, trying to do normal things even while his brain spiralled. He sent Zuko texts while attempting to sound normal, not pushing, not asking, just pretending things were normal. There was no response. So he loaded the dishwasher and wondered if this was just about Zuko's family or something else. He responded to work emails and sketched commissions and fiddled with tech issues and replayed and overanalyzed the conversation in his head. He walked Boomerang, and considered if something new had happened with Zuko's family that hadn't been said. 
He tried to flip through apps on his phone and struggled with wondering if Zuko was embarrassed to be dating him for some reason, if that explained the compartmentalising. He ate straight out of the fridge and worried that, even though he'd been trying to take it slow, let it be casual and relaxed, that they'd actually been going too fast, and it had freaked Zuko out. He lay face up in his bed trying to sleep, and had the awful thought that maybe Zuko didn't actually want him, in the way he'd always assumed. Most horribly, though, Sokka had the sickening worry that Zuko had just broken up with him, and he hadn't even realised, and didn't know why. Chapter 2 Summary Zuko disappears for a while, and Sokka deals with it as best he can before they finally talk again. Sokka didn't hear from Zuko for five days, and he was going fucking insane. Around 12am on the Thursday after the now infamous conversation and when he should have been in bed, he was instead pacing around his living room with Boomerang at his heels. There hadn't been a word all this time, no response to anything Sokka sent, which wasn't like Zuko at all. Nothing to the handful of texts the first day, nothing to the funny gif that evening, or the quick question the morning of the second day, or the attempt at a call straight to voicemail that afternoon. Not a word to indicate Zuko was still in the country, or alive, which Sokka knew was ridiculous to imagine. Still, five days and not even a noise from downstairs, not even the cats snooping around the balcony. And the thought that Zuko was choosing to cut him out, ignore him completely, that stung somewhere deep in Sokka's gut. So he was pacing, staring at his phone, turning off his screen, staring at it, turning it back on, poking at everything, turning it off, and pacing. Boomerang, ever dutiful, stayed with him, happy to be included in this odd, stressed-out, indoor walk. But Sokka was very much not. He didn't know how to do this. He didn't know why relationships were the way they were, or what they were supposed to look like, or what to do when he couldn't talk, flirt, or invent his way out of a situation. When it was his fault, when he knew what he'd done, he could work with that. He'd figured out how to fix that in the past, and they'd been okay. But this? What the fuck was he supposed to do with this? He stopped in the middle of the living room, mid-pace, feeling angry and sick as he scraped his hands through his hair. Horribly, inexplicably, he missed his mum. It didn't happen often, but sometimes when he was especially low, sometimes when he really just wanted someone to... He shook his head and pushed the thought away. Thinking that way wouldn't help, wouldn't do anything right now. He checked his phone, opened three apps in quick succession, and then shut each one again, bored and irritated at once. And now he missed his dad. Now he wished he could just go over and crash on his couch and watch hockey with him and not talk about anything. They'd drink beer and watch the game and occasionally yell at the players or the refs. Then at some point, his dad would say something like, Whatever's going on, you're going to get through it, son. And Sokka would feel reassured. But he couldn't do that. He was five hours from his dad's house, from anyone he knew well enough to turn to with these sorts of messy bullshit feelings. He missed Katara. He missed her making fun of him and being his friend and needing him and keeping track of him. He missed busting into her house unannounced and throwing himself dramatically across her floor in a bid for attention. 
he missed teasing her and playing card games and having overly competitive snowball fights. He missed their dumb inside jokes, and conversations made entirely through facial expressions when they needed to communicate without all the old people knowing. He missed going on long, meandering walks through Perda when she needed to vent about friends or school or work, when Sokka could reassure and support and joke until she felt better, and he could feel like he'd done something of use. He could text or call her. He could. And she'd be nice, and she'd listen, and she'd try to help, but it wouldn't. And really, it would just be salt in the wound to know she was happy and good and he was dumping his stupid burdens on her. He was the big brother, for fuck's sake, and he should be able to handle it. But, clearly his brain wasn't done punting him while he was down, because now he missed Toph and Suki and Ang and all his other old friends. Toph, who right now would already be punching him in the arm and telling him to stop being a pansy. Suki, who'd be telling him funny stories or talking him through the evolutionary purpose of monogamy. Ang, who'd try to give him sage advice about patience and understanding, and then really long-lasting hugs. He missed all those people, who were easy to understand, who were as simple as their stupid little town, and who knew him. For the first time since dating Zuko, he was hit with the heavy ache of loneliness again, of being far from home and disconnected and adrift. Sure, he'd had casual acquaintances here, co-workers he'd gotten drinks with, people he saw frequently at the gym, the kinds of friends he could chat and hang out with, but no one he could turn to with something like this. Just him, in his damn apartment, alone. And that was really the icing on the whole shit sandwich of the last week. Sokka looked at the clock above the oven and decided abruptly that he wasn't doing this. This wasn't him, waiting and worrying and beating himself up over some damn guy who refuses to talk to him when Sokka still didn't even know what he'd done so wrong. There was too much in his head. Too many thoughts and emotions, too many stupid things that couldn't be charted and tallied and diagrammed. Fuck's sake, he was sick of it. See, this is why he didn't do relationships very often. This was why it was better to just flirt and date and have a good time and not get overly attached. Why, of all people, had he let Zuko get so deeply entrenched into his life, let himself get so stupidly dependent on him for company and validation? He couldn't have just kept having fun and playing the field and not taking anything too seriously? He had to do this to himself? Great. Apparently that was the pathetic kicked puppy level he was at right now. He was to the door, and grabbing his denim jacket off the hook beside it before he'd even thought through what he'd do, where he'd go. He just knew he needed to leave before he became one of those super sad caged tigers who just went back and forth behind the bars until they went insane and ate their keeper. He tugged on his jacket, grabbed his keys, said goodbye to Boomerang, and locked the door behind him. He made a very concentrated effort not to look towards Zuko's apartment as he walked through the parking lot, and instead just tugged up the furry collars of his jacket and focused on finding his car. His breath came out in a whirling puff of white, the trees around the grounds going thin, the air sharp with cold, and he tucked into himself a little tighter. He needed a drink. He needed to blow off steam. He needed to talk to new people and be outside his own head. A bar. That was the answer. He started the car and threw it into reverse and drove, unsure where to go, 
but at least the streets were mostly clear and the sky was overcast and he could just glare out the windshield and crank up the music on the ageing speakers and drown out his head. He should have taken his med and made it slow down, but it was too late for that now. He kept driving, the city mostly quiet around him. He needed a place that wouldn't remind him of Zuko, activities that wouldn't remind him of Zuko, with people that also wouldn't remind him of Zuko. Okay, so a shitty sort of straight club then. Somewhere loud and grubby and deeply heterosexual. At a stoplight, he searched places on his phone and then headed toward the nearest one, which turned out to be a slightly sketchy and run-down dance club in a little parking lot next to a closed florist and a dry cleaner. Great. Good enough. At least there was no cover charge to get in, he could just show his ID and be into the slightly sour-smelling space the floors just the slightest bit sticky under his feet. There weren't a ton of people within yet, but it did give off the vibe of deeply heterosexual, based on the wood decor and neon beer signs in clientele, so that was something. There was a bar along one wall with a mirror behind it, and tables clustered on another side and a small, mostly empty dance floor towards the back, already spinning with disco lights. At least the music was loud and throbbed a little bit in his chest, which was preferable to hearing his own thoughts or feeling his own feelings. Sokka stuffed his hands into his pockets and headed toward the bar. Once there, he felt his phone buzz in his pocket and hated himself for the lurch of excitement he got. But that didn't stop him from checking it, some vague hope rising up in his throat that it would be fine, that it was Zuko actually explaining, actually wanting him. It was a text from some weird organisation that referred to him as Valerie, and reminded him to contact his state senator about the recent road construction. He shut off his phone completely and dumped it back in his pocket. By then, the bartender was there, waiting for him to order, and Sokka had no idea. Just give me whatever drink is on special tonight, he said, as long as it's got a lot of booze in it. The bartender actually gave a light laugh at that and nodded turning around to fill a glass with ice and a smattering of other things that led to a pale yellowish drink that he garnished with a lemon wedge. Sokka paid in most of the cash he had left and took a drink, glad to have something to hold, to be somewhere other than his damn apartment. Drink in hand, he wandered toward the dance floor where he could watch the handful of people already there. Sokka leaned back against a wood pillar and felt the beat ripple through his feet and into his ribs. He took another drink and, without meaning to, looked for someone long and lean, someone with black hair, someone who'd simultaneously make him feel better and worse than he'd felt in his life. He took another quick swallow of his drink, feeling it burn at the back of his throat. He was meant to be looking for people who were not Zuko, not like Zuko at all. So, maybe one of the girls in the bachelorette party on the dance floor? Specifically the curvy one in the short black dress with curly blonde hair that fell down her back? Sokka scanned again, avoiding all those things he actually wanted to look for, letting his eyes wander instead over a pale girl with tattoos and heavy makeup drinking alone at a table, a brown-haired all-American-looking guy up at the bar, a dark-skinned girl just walking in wearing a low-cut silver shirt covered in sparkles. He wasn't sure it was really making him feel better, but at least it was marginally distracting, checking people out and listening to the music pound in his ears and not being in his house waiting around. If the place got more full, he could find someone and dance, get some of the excess twitchy energy out of him, 
or he could chat up someone at a table, slip into a chair and smile and ask questions and buy them a drink. He could do all this. He could be his old self. He'd done it all before. He sipped at his drink again, remembering, because it hadn't been that long. A few months, which in the scheme of things was nothing, just a blip. It didn't matter that he and Zuko had been friends for a few more months before that, or that he pretty frequently now slept over at Zuko's or had Zuko at his place, or that he visited him at work and hung out with him in the morning and spent a decent chunk of his day curating a rotating collection of stupid memes and text posts and videos that he knew would make Zuko huff, in the way that he did that was almost half, but not quite. It didn't matter that he'd never cared this much before, or that all he wanted at the moment was for Zuko to appear and give Sokka one of those soft, fond looks that never ceased to make him feel like he'd won some sort of prize. God damn it, Sokka muttered to himself, taking another drink, because he was a failure at this too. A failure at communicating, and a failure at moving on. So that was an excellent place to be right now. Hey, said a soft high voice from just beside him, breaking him out of his pathetic spiral of thoughts. He rotated a little to find himself looking down at the girl in the sparkly shirt, who up close was a small, well-proportioned woman with round eyes and sweeping braids that framed her face. She was pretty and watching him with interest and with a slight upward curve to her full lips. Well, hey to you too, Sokka said back, trying for a smile that may not have totally worked. Come on, he had more game than this. This was what he wanted, right? You look sad, the girl pointed out, batting her very long lashes at him, and Sokka wasn't sure what to say to that because, well, he kind of was, but that definitely wasn't the sexy vibe he was going for. Well, I'm less sad now that you're here, he offered, which felt a little bit better, and the girl's lips quirked up further. Good, she said. Then you want to buy me a drink? Of course, Sokka said immediately, feeling a bit more on even footing, because she was pretty and she was being straightforward, and this was a script he actually knew how to follow. Sokka bought her a drink using the rest of his cash and then turned to chat with her further. Her body was a beautiful sweep of curves as she leaned against the bar, and Sokka liked the cool, easy way she looked at him as they drank together. So they leaned on the bar for a while and talked about the place and the weather and the other people there, about nothing at all of consequence. He missed her name in the noise, but it didn't seem to matter, and she didn't ask for his at all. She just sipped at her drink, lips curling around the straw, and watched him with those night-dark eyes that seemed to shimmer in the low light of the bar. She giggled and talked in a silky voice and occasionally called him handsome, which was nice, damn it. So he leaned in a little, grinning and trying not to stare too blatantly down the front of her shirt, which showed off some especially good cleavage that was actually really working as a distraction. So why is someone as hot as you being a sad boy in the corner tonight? The girl asked finally, leaning a little closer to him and licking a bead of liquid off her bottom lip. Sokka let out a low chuckle at that. Nothing that matters any more, beautiful, he said, which was at least only mostly a lie. The girl's lips quirked, and she sidled a little closer so her hip just barely brushed against his leg. Oof. He could just swoop her up with one arm and bury his face in that cleavage and throat and floral perfume smell. He wet his own lips. 
You got dumped, the girl guessed. Girlfriend kick you out? Sokka leaned back on the bar, although they were still touching hip to leg. Yeah, something like that, he replied, not exactly wanting to explain further than that. Plenty of girls got weird about the whole by mail thing, and he was sick to death of things being complicated, of explaining himself, of wading into awkward conversations. So he just smiled at her and took another drink. Well, here's the important question, the girl said, angling forward a little more to be back in his space and to, presumably, get those ridiculously nice tits back where he could see them. Was it because you were a prick and cheated on her? Or because she's a dumb bitch who couldn't recognise a good thing when she has it right in her face? Well, I didn't cheat, Sokka replied, attempting to avoid the need for pronouns. That's for damn sure. So it must be the other one. Good enough for me, the girl replied in a low mutter, and caught the front of his jacket. Come dance, handsome. And Sokka followed her because, why not? Who fucking cared anymore? He was at just the right level of near-tipsy where he felt pleasantly loose and his brain was quick enough that it was just a blur he could ignore, but he was still perfectly able to walk straight. So he grinned and allowed this hot-ass stranger to pull him by the jacket into a press of people. It rose by something like ten degrees once they got to the dance floor and there were bodies everywhere and a noise level that made talking impossible, which felt safe and right and good. Then the girl was undoing the last couple of buttons on his jacket and reaching up to wind her arms around his neck and pulling close to him. Damn, she was so little, her head basically only up to Sokka's shoulder, and she was all curves and sparkle and that perfume smell and nothing, nothing, nothing like the person he wasn't letting himself think about. She rolled against him, supple and soft, her thighs on either side of one of his legs, and it was fucking good. Good to be wanted, to be unknown to not have to try at all. He could just run his hands down her back, lean forward a little to reach for her waist, smell her hair and feel her body pulse against him as he rocked with her. One of her hands moved to play with a strand of his hair that had come loose and fallen next to his face. Her lips parted a little, and Sokka thought about kissing those full lips and feeling the smear of lipstick and getting his hands around some curves again, about just letting everything else go for a while. She smirked at him, like she could read his thoughts, and maybe it was evident on his face. Regardless, she rolled even closer to him, their bodies moving together. Sokka didn't owe Zuko anything. He tried. He'd done what he could. And now there was a girl here, and she was pretty and soft and sexy, and she was available and uncomplicated and easy to decode. Most importantly, he didn't feel anything difficult or deep or complicated about her, just the simplicity of fun and attraction. He almost kissed her. He almost said something about taking her home. But damn it all to fucking hell, she wasn't Zuko, and, for better or worse, he still only wanted him. I'm sorry, he said, leaning down forward to her ear, and she looked at him in surprise. You're really pretty, but I can't. She took a small step back, blinking at him once. He gave her a weak smile and stepped further back too, bumping into someone behind him. I'm still taken. It's stupid and it fucking sucks right now, but I think I'm still in a relationship, he explained. So I... I have to go. 
She frowned a little at him and then shrugged, face clearing. Fine, have fun with your girlfriend, she said, flipping a braid back over her shoulder. Your loss? With that, she turned and slid further away into the crowd. Yeah, Sokka said, heading the opposite way after a moment and trying not to keep thinking about those curves. My damn loss is right. He got a water at the bar, rubbed the sweat off his forehead and turned his phone back on. There was still nothing there, but for the moment he didn't care. He pulled up Zuko's number and the attached picture he had of him, one where he was on his couch with Dragon halfway on his shoulder, and he was smiling up at the cat, looking so at ease and relaxed. It made Sokka's chest hurt. He took a drink and typed out a quick text and sent it before he could change his mind. Hey, just hope you're doing okay. He stared at the simple text a moment, watching it be delivered under the string of other little, pathetic, unanswered texts, and then immediately regretted it. He downed the water, set the empty glass back on the bar and headed for the door. Once there, he typed up another one. Sorry if that's weird, everything's fine here. Gif of kitten climbing on a dog's face. Not sure why I thought that was a normal thing to send, but there it is now. Oh god, what was he doing? He stepped out into the wind, his ears ringing a little as the music abruptly went muffled behind him and tried to think clearly. The air was cold on his face and sneaking into his jacket where it was now unbuttoned, but in a way it was centering. The buzz had definitely faded with the dancing and sweating and water, so he didn't even have that excuse for why he kept typing things, but he did it anyway. Just know you can talk to me. I still care about you. Sorry for whatever I did. He stared at the blatant panic spiral of texts with horror, wondering what sort of clingy seventh grader had suddenly possessed him. He shoved his phone back in his pocket and sighed up at the grey, heavy sky. Well, that ought to clinch the deal. If Zuko hadn't been sick of him before, he certainly would be now. And Sokka didn't even know why, which was really the painful nail in the coffin of the last few days, especially considering he clearly wasn't done with Zuko, even if Zuko was done with him. Sokka climbed back into his car and started it hands cold on the steering wheel, and then his phone vibrated in his pocket. Hesitant and still nauseous with anticipation, he pulled his phone back out and stared at it for a moment before turning the screen on. If this was something else addressed to Valerie about local government, he was going to throw his phone into the parking lot and drive over it. But it wasn't. It was Zuko. You didn't do anything wrong. I'm sorry. Are you home? Sokka stared at his phone in amazement, unsure what to say now that he'd actually gotten some sort of response. I'm on the way home now. He watched the text for a moment, this sudden conversation after all the silence, the stupid little rectangles of communication that he'd been so damn desperate for for these past few days. Can I come over? Could he indeed? Sokka stared at the text for a moment, trying to process what the question was doing to him, but finally just typed out. Yeah, I can meet you there in a couple minutes. 
Soccer dropped his phone back into his pocket and pulled back into the parking lot, unsure what exactly he was thinking, what he was feeling now. After the panic and self-loathing and sadness, something else was twisting its way through his chest. Anger, maybe? Frustration? Disappointment? He didn't know for sure, but it was there now, making the back of his mouth taste like bile. He didn't remember the drive home, or the walk back to his apartment. He only seemed to come back to himself when he saw Zuko standing against the wall beside his front door, hands tight in the pockets of his black jacket and his shoulders hunched. He looked up as Sokka approached, and his hair was messy and his eyes shadowed and his expression forlorn. Really, his whole body looked sort of pulled into himself like he was trying to take up less space, like he was protecting his vital organs from possible harm. Sokka didn't exactly know what he was feeling seeing him, Sad? Hurt? Irritated? But whatever it was, it wasn't great. Hey, Sokka, Zuko said softly, and just the very barest hint of a smile lifted the corners of his mouth. Sokka couldn't find it in himself to return a smile, even a sad little one like that, so he simply looked away and focused on getting his keys into the lock, as if that took a huge amount of attention. He could feel Zuko watching him, not coming any nearer and not saying anything again, which was probably for the best. Sokka still couldn't decide if he wanted to just throw his arms around Zuko again, or cling, or yell at him until he lost his voice. So he stayed quiet, until he got the door open to reveal a very happy dog staring up at him. That at least made Sokka smile a little, and he stepped into his apartment and shooed Boomerang back. He left the door open behind him. Zuko lingered outside, orienting after him, but hesitant still. Can I come in? he asked softly. Sokka stared at him a moment, still feeling that whatever it was that kinda made him want to say no, and slammed the door. But he couldn't. He needed whatever was going on with them to be over, to be able to either move forward or move on. So he just nodded tersely, and opened the door the rest of the way. That was The Family Problem, chapters 1-2, to two, by On My Literature Bullshit again. Thanks so much to them for the angst and the emotional tension in this fic, and for letting me record it. If you enjoyed listening, Please tell me what you liked over in the comments on AO3, or come shout at me on Tumblr, at MellowZukoDeer. You can also find On My Literature Bullshit Again there, at On My Literature Bullshit Again. Thanks again, till the next one.